0: Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now, we are up to the episode called... Looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. It is the third episode of the fifth season, aired on October 14th, 1996. Written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by Andrew Robinson, also known as Garrick. In this episode, Worf helps Quark woo Grilka, his Klingon ex-wife. It's a callback to season three's third episode, House of Quark. Uh, but Clay did not see that episode. But Clay, how are you? I'm good. Is this the... Um, is this
0: the the... Fuckiest episode of Star Trek where they're not mind
1: controlled? Probably. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's probably a TOS episode that is a little bit sexier, I think. Yeah. Um But this is it's definitely everybody's
0: uh, you'd think there's something in the air on that station because <laughs> usually when you have this many uh people getting busy, there's some sort of mind control or you know, crazy yeah, gas. Yeah, alien leak or thing.
1: Yep. No, this is a- just alien a- gas leak. Everyone this is this is <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of bad sex puns I think we can make going forward here. Uh, I'm going to choose to refrain from all of them. We're going to go forward like adults. We're going to take a break and talk about... Uh, we're going to take a ble- break and play an audio clip. Then we're going to come back and talk about looking for Parmok in all the wrong places.
0: Challenging Thelpoch to a fight is a waste of time. Grilka cannot mate with you now or ever. Your house is dishonored. Your name is a curse. I meant no disrespect. You showed none. I'm sure your motives were honorable. do not let it trouble you too much. In truth, I doubt it would have been a good match. Why? Have you ever pursued a Klingon woman? No. There's no shame in that. You were raised by humans. You wear their uniform. You accept their values. How could you know anything about our women? You'd be surprised what I know. Perhaps. But we will not find out here.
1: All right, so, minor factoid, it's the third longest title in Star Trek history. Only third, only to, uh, For the World is Hollow and I've Reached the Sky, which is in the TOS, and then there is, the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry which is a discovery season 1 episode third third longest title uh, it's the most lighthearted uh fun comedy i guess clay like it, what struck me about watching this one was it's it kind of comes out of nowhere in how weird the tone is and now, that's not to say it's bad. It's not to say it's a uh, terrific comedy. I don't think, but it's not certainly not a bad comedy. It is based on Cyrano de Bergerac, basically, which is the uh, the famous play where the ugly guy is trying to woo the attractive woman. So he has the the stud go after her, and he whispers all the things for the guy to say to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's based on that, and then I don't I, know. I, I like you, that you, think? you
0: went for. Well, I like that you went for the more literary reference instead of saying it's based on the plot that every single sitcom ever has used at least once
1: yep yep this, that's also true it's a very sitcom-y thing which plot line do you think that is this with this or the Cyrano de Bergerac plot line is that what you mean yeah yeah where a uh someone stands in for a suitor yeah it's always like
0: him. you know oh there's the hot I'm the the quote unquote less attractive person is has the hots for the hot guy but then the hot guy ends up liking their friend. And so then they got to tell their friend what to say and, you know, they go into dinner while they're wearing like uh, an electric uh, radio piece yep. and then the piece starts shorting. out. And I'm just, now I'm just talking about Saving Silverman, which is, I loved <laughs> that movie at the time, but that, I don't know if it holds up so much it, now, but.
1: <coughs> Excuse me. The only thing that, um, only bit of that I think that holds up for me is at the very end there with the, um. Uh, that actor who is the, I will skull fuck you guy in, um, Oh yes. Yeah. Early uh, Ermy. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. be- he jumps out of the car, does like a barrel roll. And for some reason that really makes me laugh. That's like the funniest part of that whole movie, I think. Um, but yeah, looking for Parmok in all the wrong places, a very strange, uh, silly kind of episode. Maybe it not all, the whole
0: thing, the whole thing feels like Ron Moore had a sitcom script that he just never used or like, he just watched an episode of living single or something. Yes. And then he was just like, ah, yeah, let just 90 do that.
1: sitcom. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, I mean, the, um, the O'Brien thing like even Friends starts to something. feel sitcom here, but I, I want to save the O'Brien stuff for the last actually, because I think yeah. I might have the most to say, <laughs> excuse me about that one. <clears throat> excuse me, everyone. I'm still dying over here, but while I recover, why don't you say uh, what you thought about Parmok?
0: Uh, I thought it was fun. Um, that was fairly light. Uh, you know, it it was, it wasn't, there wasn't anything egregiously bad about it except for maybe how oblivious to everything Keiko is. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's kind of, that character being that oblivious is always part of those sorts of like, uh, um, line crossing stories anyway. Um, yeah, I thought I I liked uh they you know, you know what I really appreciated about this? They it's like they at least took the uh w- were aware enough that they were doing an episode like this and so everyone who is they involved everybody who has like a weird emotional relationship thing with somebody else. They involved everybody. Yeah. Like yeah, there's even there's even a scene you know, we can talk about it later, but there's the main stuff with uh You know, uh, Worf and uh, Quark Quark and and Dax and yes, the uh, Klingon woman whose name I don't know. Um, And then obviously there's the O'Brien and Kira stuff, but there's also a scene of Kira and Odo yep which is nice which and it, and there's even a little bit of 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 Cisco in there too, and he's got a fucked up you know emotional life too, <laughs> so they took everybody that's having those I mean maybe everybody just has those problems and, and, and there's the the and meta
1: it, Bashir and uh, or Siddig and a visitor uh, having a relationship right. where sitting, where sitting and, is talking to O'Brien about it and it's kind of a little bit of a meta commentary and even inside the show at the end
0: Bashir is like uh yeah. I, I I don't want to. I'm I'm the only person here's not getting laid, so I don't want to hear about it.
1: This is, or, that's he doesn't it, say it,
0: that explicitly, but that's kind of like how I was taking it. It's like they're 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 specifically doing this to the character who's you know the sexy one. Uh, yeah, looking yeah. for looking for uh, a chick.
1: He's, he's, he's constantly looking for Parlock. Yeah, that, I actually liked his reaction at the end. I thought it was maybe the best joke yeah, out of the whole thing. Um, yeah, they they do pair up a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of layers going on, um, and it's a lot of sort of mirroring in the plot lines and everything. It's uh, it also it's extremely light because while it's a callback to the House of Quark episode, which Dax explains in a exposition dump in one of her scenes with Worf, uh, it reminded me. Uh, I guess I'll have to finish it. Reminded me of an Arrested Development episode in that when it was over. I could not tell you what the plot was that happened. Mm -hmm. It's really just Mm -hmm. a bunch of scenes that kind of come together. And you're like, I don't know why anything was happening that people were doing. There was a logic for it, but it's really not important. And that felt like this. It felt like the, it was such a a detached or um, different approach than the way that the show has been doing. uh, Usually up to this point, they really with the, the comedy approach of just the scenes have to work with everybody. And I think that they, they do. I really liked uh, Armin Shimmerman as Quark in this episode. I think he's pretty good. Um, he is a better fighter than Michael Dorn is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every time they cut back to, to <sighs> Dorn doing the Klingon fighting moves, he he just looks so stiff. And then Armin Shimmerman looks like fucking Keanu Reeves in The Matrix compared to, to Worf.
1: Yeah, he apparently took the week prior and... Uh, dispense with like stunt fighting trainers or something so that he would be able to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, I did a good job. I will
0: say, uh, this is one episode where I'm not upset that they didn't redo them in HD because man, those bat lists look cheap. Yep.
1: Look like cardboard sort of bumping into each other. Yeah. That's not very good. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know. There's not a lot to really say about this episode. Um, it's, it all I, comes back to racism against Ferengi's
0: man. I've been saying that since day 1. Yeah. Everybody's cool with everybody except for the Ferengi. Everyone is united in their racism towards Ferengi.
1: The, and I I mean the 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 so, I wouldn't even really say it's a a quirk episode. I don't know whose episode it is. It's kind of everybody's. Everybody has a little bit of something yeah. going on or at least the main four I, do.
0: I at first I thought it was going to be like a straight wharf episode. Um but yeah, it's it's pretty much an it's a, very much an ensemble piece where everybody everybody's got something to do and everybody is uh, <clears throat> has uh, motivations that are pretty clear and involved in the plot. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a pretty good pretty good episode as and far as that goes.
1: And it's the uh, as you say, it's the sexiest episode of Star Trek. Uh, maybe it, it does the Seinfeldy thing where they only mention sex once, even though everything in this is about sex on on mm-hmm. some level. Uh, the is that, have they ever mentioned sex specifically ever on Star Trek?
0: Uh, I, it's usually some sort of euphemism. I don't think they've ever actually said the word.
1: Not probably rhino, not. Anyway. No, I mean, Dax says it here, uh, but I can't think of anything previous to that, where they've, they've outright said, like, we're having sex or something. Um. <laughs> Attention. <laughs> this is your captain speaking. We are having sex. <laughs> A red <laughs> alert a red alert no i i can't um there must be there must be i'm a... bringing 10 forward to the warp core if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's um and i mean as a as a sort of sex farce i guess it's it's pretty much uh fine it's it's definitely one of those episodes that like if this was a 10 or 13 episode season you would cut this one out i think is the the kind of the lay of the land for it but uh, i i think the most important aspect of it is uh, it's the start of the Dax and Worf relationship. Mm. Um, you know,
0: you say you'd cut it, but I think if I was in in the in the in the room, I would probably go to bat for this episode because I don't think, I, yeah, it's definitely very fluffy, but I feel like it's it's everybody in it is good enough, and the the, the character work is really good. I, I you know I think every season, even the short ones, you need to have some sort of like tension release, and I think this would be
1: a pretty good one to keep in there. Yeah. Um, do I disagree with that? I guess I I mean I <coughs> excuse me. Maybe this is a wrong decision to record. But the uh <laughs> I I think that the we we can't avoid it now. I I I think the weakest link is really the um O'Brien's stuff, which mm. we we can just talk about that now. I I find that actually more interesting than anything else going on because I find the I find the O'Brien storyline to be uh, and on the memory alpha, Ron Moore said he was prouder of the O'Brien storyline than he was of the main storyline in this one, mm-hmm. and that seems insane to me because the O'Brien storyline seems to me to be ignoring the fact that this is a comedy. it really seems to continue this trend of like, are the O'Briens really happy with each like yeah. what, what is good about the O'Brien relationship and do the writers think that Keiko is actually a person or a character on the show? Like does she <laughs> does she exist in the sense that she means anything to anything or are they just going to And it, you have to hedge it with it's a comedy so you kind of need her ignorance but I don't know. It uh, you, you tell me what you thought about that and it, it'll uh, like hone my criticism a little a bit I think I can choose somewhere to start. Well, it it it
0: takes the uh um the O'Brien plot line and it butts it head first into the weird thing that they do where like everybody seems to want to bang Kira for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that they are, it's, it seems incredibly random. This, this, this plot seems incredibly random. I mean, I understand the thinking behind it where it's like, well, you know, they're living together, he's having a baby, they're doing a lot of physical contact and you know, that kind of thing. People grow, grow to have a crush on each other or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. It just, it just felt really like, I, I wouldn't even... I don't think it's a matter of the O'Briens being happy because they're, they're fine in this episode. Like, the all the arguing happens between O'Brien and Kira. There's no animosity between O'Brien and Keiko. But it does... This... It does... The running theme seems to be that Keiko kind of wants to be alone. Uh, she, <laughs> she seems to be thrilled that she is not having this baby. Um, and she also is like... Desperate to get miles out the door, does not care that he's been like sensually rubbing this woman uh, while she's like in the other room reading a book. He's
1: or he's he's rubbing <coughs> her upper thigh, like he's giving her yeah. a massage to her upper thigh. It doesn't make any any sense as to why he would do that. It's such a to me, it um, it just feels and like she such also. A, oh, go,
0: ahead. go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, it uh, it feels like a <clears throat> excuse me, an escalation of. It feels like an escalation of the conflict by necessity, almost. Like, yeah. if this was a, a script where you're saying, like, the alien uh, mind-controlling powers had taken over the crew, that storyline makes more sense to me here. Like, yeah. the yeah. the way that they've exploded it into such a problem all of a sudden feels very off, because if you if you were to write up a like listing of the pairs of characters on the show and like how good of a relationship or friendship they have, I think Kira and O'Brien would be at the bottom. I don't know if they've said anything to each other prior to this episode. You know what I mean? Right. Like I can't yeah. think of anything that they ever have said to each other. So for them to all of a sudden develop into this flowering relationship where O'Brien never once, I don't think, brings up the fact that he's married to Keiko during this? Yeah. Like, he, he always has some <laughs> weird reason that he shouldn't be doing it. And his marriage is not a problem. And, you know, the writers don't seem to think of Keiko as a person because she, A, ignores all this. And then when um when Odo is confronting Kira, he doesn't say he's a married man to her. Like, there's no there's yeah. no reflection about the O'Brien being taken. It's more that Odo thinks this is a very funny thing that's happened. It's very strange. Yeah, and also
0: as I was saying about her Keiko seeming to just want to be by herself at the end, she offers up the lamest fucking excuse for not going on that trip with Kira when she's like, I can't go. I have uh, a seminar. I have to go to tomorrow. Miles, you should go, you know, the chief engineer officer officer or whatever on deep space nine, you, you should go, you should leave the shit. You should leave and go, go with her. I can't, I have a seminar that I just, you know,
1: I can't miss it. Can't miss, it.
0: I can't, miss I can't, it. I can't. I can't do it remotely because we're in the fucking twenty fourth century.
1: And <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> a, whatever
0: twenty. I don't know what century it is.
1: Twenty fourth, and, and I think that you know, like the the scenes themselves. So I, I, my problem here is that I recognize this as a comedy, and I recognize yeah, that they're yeah. sort of taking liberties with it. However, it still feels very weird to me. It, it's not like a. It's not something that feels like it organically came about, and it feels very much like a. A failed attempt at serialization of the show mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. solution does not seem to be an appropriate thing to do and the the, the problem with the o'brien stuff is because just looking at that is that this is like a family man or whatever it's it's more whatever may come of the other plot lines it's not a big deal you know what i mean yeah but like the wharfs plot line and the quirk plot line uh whatever happens with this plot line has a tremendous effect on a lot of characters. So it feels weird to sort of joke around and be silly about the fact that these two are considering hooking up and that they both want it. It's not like it's a weird O'Brien thing where he's lusting after Kira, who is completely Mm -hmm. unaware of what's going Mm -hmm. on, which would be a repeat of the Odo thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's at least kind of nice because it turns her into someone who actually has, you know... Is more opinion. than just a an object to be lusted after. You know, it's true. It seems yeah, to be who she, who, and all of the relationships she has, even Chakar to an extent, it's it's been like you know, she's the one. She's kind of being lusted after by a guy.
1: She can be um, won over by the most more most blandest and, aggressively person that she can run into. Yeah, she does. She doesn't yeah, really yeah. go out of her way to make her own decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but
0: yeah. It's it's nice that that she's involved, but yeah, it's it feels so. Completely random, uh, and the f- the the final scene with them on the Defiant feels really strange to me. Uh, I don't know. It's just it, it's like even even Miles even O'Brien doesn't really talk about Keiko in that. I guess no. he kind of does. He, but I he hardly like, he ever least... brings up
1: Keiko by name. He at, never mentions Keiko.
0: At least in that scene, he's like, no, I can't do this. Uh, I need to get out of here. Like, at least you can you can infer that he can't do it because he's married and he loves his wife, even if he doesn't actually say that. <laughs> right, yeah. But, like, even then at the end, he's just like, "Uh, but, you know, what if we could we? And she's like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he's, he's uh, leaving so in for then, a
1: kiss, basically, at the end. And she's like, you should you should leave. So it it, it doesn't come back. I didn't mean to stomp on your point, but that's, that's no, no, no. kind of what I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it in I mean I guess in that moment she kind of does revert to that lust object thing cuz she's over it or at least she is, you know, being like no. We're, this is not going to happen and then he's like, "But maybe?" Yeah, yeah. Um and uh you know, this is another episode much like I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before where I feel like this this was the uh the launching <laughs> point for a thousand fanfics, I think.
1: Yes. Just hey you never know. The,
0: Maybe Miles goes back and like tells Keiko about it, and she's totally cool with it. And she's like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, what the hell?" Just based on the I'm, night, I'm, I'm
1: really I'm a cool, modern woman. The uh, the nightwear alone, the the pink uh, night slip that Major Kira is wearing in front of Chief Miles O'Brien, very inappropriate. But like, yeah. he's <laughs> his fucking wife. Why why is he? Don't stop on my account. <laughs> What's wrong? touch her <laughs> higher on the leg miles yeah he, he, he says re- she says really give it to her miles and yeah. he's like all right i'm gonna really amp things up here it's like what the hell is going my um yeah amy was watching this with me and she was her her jaw was on the floor through this these entire scenes it's just like wh- what is going on with this family it's, i can't really explain it either but i think that the that's why you didn't have any of your friends come over when she was pregnant because i Everyone, Anything everyone, weird
0: going on, you know.
1: Everyone wants to massage a pregnant woman. That's exactly yeah. <laughs> what all, all men want to do. Um, I mean, once w- once once the opportunity to just massage
0: those pregnant feet pop up, it's just like cartoon wolf eyes. <laughs> the uh,
1: the the other thing, <coughs> excuse me, about it is that I think it's just a. I think it's. I know that they had to mirror the love story, or they were trying to... I think it was a big mistake. I I don't think this feels correct. And I I thought that it was more an episode for the O'Briens to be built around the fact that O'Brien is now living with a superior officer that he might be catching in sort of, like, personal moments. You know? Mm, Like, you you don't really have to play up the romance thing, but just the the fact that he catches her, like, he has to help her, uh, like... You know, with the difficulties that pregnant women would like, you know, getting in and out of the tub or things that she needs help with. Like, there's, there's comedy in that stuff. So it's just weird to me that they they basically just cut Keiko out of the... Poor Keiko. They cut Keiko out mm-hmm. and just stick them together, and it doesn't end up amounting to anything.
0: What Don't you think it would be almost more appropriate if nothing w- was going on but Keiko thought there was? Yes. That would be a better <clears throat> because, way to go about it, too, yeah. Yeah, because the stuff that he's doing... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it is fairly intimate but he's going about it as like an engineer you know the stuff he's the stuff he's doing is very like procedural and very uh, technical he's 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 thinking of Munez the whole time yeah like he's not he's not putting on uh, he's not lighting candles and putting on you know whatever the Bajoran equivalent of Belle Biv DeVoe is or something like that on the radio while he, like, lovingly caresses her calves. He's working her over like a trainer, you know? He's <laughs> he's getting in there, and he's, like, elbowing out those Charlie horses and shit. Yeah. It's not yeah. a very sexy massage he's giving. No. <laughs> so, it would like, it would be... I think it would be more appropriate to have Keiko, yeah, be the one who's a little... Because, I mean, honestly, it's... Uh,
1: I guess it depends on how you want to look at it, but if you want to go the more... Um, even more than Keiko, I think you could, you know, Bashir is surprisingly okay with everything going on too. You know, like if, if during that scene, Bashir was just like, wait, you, you saw her in the tub? I don't know if that's true to character. Like the way, the way they play it feels like more like those two would actually play it. But I feel you could really stretch it beyond Keiko into everyone kind of wondering what's going on between the two of them or something. Well, but at least with Keiko, you have this
0: fairly plausible reaction that you could have her have of, you know miles putting the attention onto the person who's now carrying the baby right and you know cuz i assume there is some sort of um feeling of loss she's going to have about that uh and not that she not that i would think that she would feel worthless or anything like that but you you know the, you you get in that situation where the 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 person with the most important job gets shifted to somebody else when yep. it's something as personal as as having a child uh i you could Imagine there'd be some emotional—I don't want to say trauma—but you know, issues going on. Yeah, it's that a, it's might a very... be more reasonable than you know, uh, falling in love with the, the guy
1: changing the oil. Yeah, right. It's a very. She Keiko should be conflicted, and if they were interested in writing her as a character, I think you could really write it around her being conflicted about the, uh, as you as you say, losing the baby to Kira, and then also wondering where her husband's attentions should be placed yeah, at yeah. that point because. He should, it's a, it's a difficult decision for her because he should be taking care of the baby, but he should also be tending to his wife at the same time. And she, she yeah. should have a little bit of a confliction about that.
0: They, they seem to be only playing the baby thing for comedy. Like there hasn't really been, that's what I can think of, where, where they've, I mean, they've only kind of touched on it a couple of times, but it's always sort of a point of, of lightness. Yes. Uh, it's, it, they've never really dipped into what this transition means or anything like that. Maybe they did in the first time that, that after it happened, but even there, not really, I don't think.
1: Um, they never dipped you, into why Kira moved in, really. It just kind of yeah, happened. Yeah. It's just like, this is this is the thing now. Yeah,
0: yeah, but it, I mean, it's always just like a, a window dressing for another scene where it's like, oh, we're having a scene with Kira. We're talking about serious shit, and then she starts sneezing at the end up because she's pregnant, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. They never... They never use it as a serious plot point. At least they haven't so far. I mean, so...
1: Excuse me. And I guess the reason that brings me... I guess that leads me to the reason why I would cut this episode. My argument Mm -hmm. would be... I don't know if purely comic episodes... While I like them in a 26-episode season, I think they're okay. Even, Even then, I still feel like they operate by a set of rules that are different from what the universe normally has for the show. Like, mm-hmm. things things feel a little bit off. Like, the relationships don't quite line up in what people are doing. And, you know, even little things like... uh, and, and it's the true comedy setting, like, true comedy office workplace. Like, no one ever seems to have to have a job to do. Everyone's just kind of hanging out the whole time. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it, that kind of flies in the face with everything else that you see of the show, where in other storylines and other episodes, people are working while they're talking or doing things. and this one, they're kind of hanging out drinking with each other. And it's a... Um At least on Cheers, Woody Harrelson was constantly drying glasses when he talked. Right. <clears throat> exactly. Um, th- so that, that would be my argument. Like, I, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with this one. It's just an episode that feels very out of left field for me. And I think that you maybe viewed that as more of a positive. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know if I would call it a, that specifically a positive, but I just, you know, I think it's for for what it is, I thought they, they did it pretty well. Um, it's silly, but I think it works. I think the, aside from the O'Brien and Kira stuff, the character stuff is fairly consistent. Um, but even there, that story, even though it doesn't really make a lot of sense, it is at least watchable and yep. kind of fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if I put this on my top 10, but uh, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. I also really appreciated that they made absolutely no uh, uh, movement towards explaining um, what that technology that they're using with cork at the end is. They did yeah, not the even say what it was. They don't say how it works. They just they just use it. And I really appreciated that because like that's one of those things where I, I bet there was some techno babble about it and i I would love to assume that someone in the writer's room is like honestly the more we talk about this the more it's going to be a problem
1: yes yeah yeah it's it's the same with the um it'd be like the pregnancy storyline when they moved the baby and they had to techno babble it for a couple minutes before they just decided to give up they they didn't do anything with that at all in this one um and i agree with you totally unnecessary uh comedy especially
0: you don't need it I feel like we've had episodes in the past where I've I've mentioned the fact that they do take a moment to explain the technology, and the fact that they do that just brings to the forefront how ridiculous it is that they have it, Yep. and brings up more questions than, than you need. So just, yeah, I just appreciated that they don't even make an attempt here, and it just, it's totally fine.
1: Yep, yep. All right, um, I think we'll call it a day there. We're going to take a break, play an audio clip, we'll come back, read some patron thoughts, give our final thoughts, and then we will call it a day. That's it. I'm not going. I don't care what Keiko says, I'm not going. You go. I'll I'll wait an hour and then I'll I'll tell her that you left without me, that there was a miscommunication about the departure time. You think she'll buy it? She'll probably accuse us of having another fight, of behaving like children, but I can handle that. The important thing is that we don't go anywhere near that place together. You are absolutely right. In fact, I'm going to go to the capital and see Shakar. That's the best idea you've had all week.
0: (laughs) Have a good trip. Thanks.
1: Would have been nice. In another life.
0: Let's not even think about it. All right, let's not. It's nice. Get
1: out. Right. All right, everybody. So if you support the show on Patreon.com, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. I'll read them, and we'll react to them on the podcast. Stephen Cobb says, Looking for Pomark. Wow. Watch this one with new eyes. Picked up on a lot of stuff. All the people represent different types of relationships. Dax has clearly been friend-zoned by Worf. Quark is the pickup artist. How can I trick this person into having sex with me guy? Worf is doing a good impression of an incel guy, involuntary celibate. O'Brien, Keiko, Kira are doing a fair impression of an open relationship polygamous thing. Grokka's bodyguard is clearly a racial purist. Stay away from our woman, you've got Klingon fever, boy. I know it all resolves at the end and it's a twist on Cyrano de Bergerac, but still. Bashir's expression at the the end when he was treating Quark and Grokka was pretty damn funny.
0: I think this... That might be a bit too cynical of a reading of what's going on here. Like, I don't know if I would call Worf an incel, uh, and I don't know if I would call Quark a pickup artist type. You know, like it, it seems like his interest in in her is is pretty
1: pretty genuine. Genuine, um, yeah. I, I I'd I'd almost argue that's the 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 plot point I made earlier about the like I f- I feel that I feel that a lot of the motivations outside of Worf's, I'm not really sure what they're doing. Like Dax doesn't put up a lot of fight about what she she kind of does but not really quark's motivation to me is kind of a mystery i agree with you that he does seem to be after her purely for love but that still seems like a lacking reason for me like it always feels like something else should be going on yeah yeah
0: yeah Uh, i don't know i just think it's a it's a it's
1: being a little too harsh i think sure sure Zam Nuclear-Wessel says, Looking for Parmok, a fun bit of moving along, <coughs> moving along the overplot through comedy, somewhat as in body parts. I accept the various romances based on my belief that hooking up is, as Michelle Rodriguez put it in Lost, what people do. There doesn't always have to be a reason. Having them quickly resolve into long-term decks and war for one-night stands, Groken and Quark, or never worse, Karen O'Brien, is certainly better than having characters float around indefinitely in relationship limbo. Lost being an example, but TNG also. Holly McLaughlin says, Looking for Parmok, Another pure fun episode, Gulka is a wonderful character, and Quirk's interest in a woman who can actually stand up to him instead of the usual Ferengi misogyny elevates him as a character. Worf's cluelessness about Z's interest is funny and really well done. Beyond all the wonderful comedy, the best scene is Miles and Kira finding a way to remain honorable and faithful to their partners. Matthew Ross says, Parmak, Cyrano de Bergerac on the station. Suffering a little bit from the Ferengi funnies, the episode was another in the midsummer's category, Where Was Loxana? I guess the Klingons have no account and says there is no honor in taxes. <coughs> Excuse me. For a group at war with the feds, what Groka get? A hall pass to come on board? And yes, Worf, your correspondence classes on Klingon and the fact that you were branded a traitor make you not available to Groka. Duh. Quark's truth to Wu Grokka was an interesting distraction and humorous with him wielding the batleth and talking about what Worf is doing via telepresence. Weird dynamic in House. O'Brien was one scene away from being a porn adventure. Hey, Kira, the music is on. Sit right here with us. And finally, Dex gets some wharf love. And amusing am it ultimately light pause in between two weightier stories. I did First, like. Uh, I did yeah, give, like me, that give me a wharf. chance to catch up on my
0: uh, my breath here as you fill yeah, no the problem. air. I did like uh, that wharf. Basically, pulled out his uh, um, Klingon hipster guidebook and was and went went to do that that weird mating ritual thing where he beat up that guy at the bar and then asked for the blood wine and then challenged that guy to a fight or whatever. It seemed it seemed very much like he was you know finally got to use all of those things he's been reading about for for uh, for years.
1: Yeah, he's um <clears throat> continuing on his path to be the most klingony klingon of Klingon in the entire uh, galaxy, I think. He's the, he's the one who actually does everything by the rules as opposed to these guys, which is um I guess we can you sort of say about <clears throat> that about uh, Dax kind of exposes him at the end there for what he really wants is not what yeah. he's actually been claiming to seek out, but he wants something totally different from the traditional Klingon stuff that he's expected to want.
0: Yeah, and I I, I thought the hard cut or whatever to uh to to Quark in sick bay was was pretty great. I really enjoyed that after yeah, so after with- uh, he he got completely destroyed by her.
1: I I liked his reaction. Whatever whatever he yeah, says is yeah. great. Like, the camera pans over and she's standing next to him and they just start laughing at each other. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, I, I thought... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I did find the end shot
0: where, she, where Dax is like, you know, I can tell you one thing. You're not thinking about that Klingon girl anymore. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that okay. was very strange. That was a very strange moment to end on.
1: I... Um, them sort of standing and spooning might have been the sexiest moment in Star Trek history, actually. Like, <laughs> that's that, true, yeah. That never happens. And that's like a legitimate, like, uh, true-to-form thing that people would actually do. And it, it felt very... It was very accurately sexual um, yeah. on, for this yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, Christian Pouch says, all, looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. Bashir's reaction at the end is a five out of five for me. Kyle Barrett, Parmok. I'm not sure why this episode got made, but I'm glad it did. There's little plot to speak of. I thought there would maybe more to Grok's visit to the station than what she told Quark, but apparently not. It is, however, a pretty good comedy. Ron D. Moore is an underrated comedy writer, and he lovingly pokes fun at the Klingons and the customs he helped create while upholding the race's believability, more so than in House of Quark, which went too far, in my opinion. Overall, the episode made me laugh, so I think it's good. I think. Uh, 2, two. Last comment, Neil Brennan says, Looking for Parmok in all the wrong places... Miles O'Brien, fuck machine, absolutely.
0: <laughs> it's more one like things... Miles O'Brien,
1: cuck machine. That's because he never really. He, his, his
0: wife, his <laughs> wife doesn't want anything to do with him, and uh, his Kier is not into
1: it either. No, he's um, he's he's probably the least sexy of the characters on the show. Yeah, like yeah. He, he he really doesn't have much. Uh, uh, that's that's a personal thing against Cole Meany, but O'Brien is kind of a. I was reading one review that O'Brien is actually the cast member that Kira, based on her previous interests, would be most interested in because he's, like, the blandest, most reliable yeah. one. <laughs> That's true. So so she she might actually have a thing for him because everyone else is a little bit too exciting for her. If he runs for some, like, low-level political office, uh, like state clerk
0: or some shit like that, she'd probably be all over him.
1: All over him. Thank you, uh, patrons, for writing with the comments. Apologies for my cold, making it sound... Uh, it sounded uh, horrible to get through, but we got through it. Clay, when are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Um,
0: I'll give it a three. Yeah, it was good. I, I it's not an all timer, but it was very enjoyable. Um, I think this is an episode that previously could have been terrible, but I thought they pulled it off pretty well.
1: Uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it a three as well, and I think that's pretty much it. It's right square, right in the middle uh, of everything, and it is. It's really just one of those. As you say, could have been could have been much worse earlier. Turned out okay. Everything is happy. You don't really have any problems while you're watching it, and then it just ends, and maybe you don't think about it that much anymore. Uh, let's see. That's about it. Guys, thank you very much. Facebook, Twitter, Discord, all those things. You can also go to patreon.com slash thepenskyfile if you want to support the show there. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. A little bit of a short episode, but I'm battling a cold. It's not an episode that really lends itself to a lot of discussion, I don't think. And then we're going to be back with Nor the Battle... To the strong in a couple days so clay what what's that nor the battle to the strong yeah that's the title of the episode nor the battle to the strong mm. I, I that's a questionable title I believe it's a biblical reference I
0: think. yeah that's fine but it like I I I don't know I I, I kind of side eye these titles where it's like the second half of a saying that like <laughs> doesn't make any sense in the actual sure. context yes yeah <laughs> but yeah.
1: maybe it makes more sense after I see the episode I don't know. We'll have to see. Clay, thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Guys, we will see you next time.